This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, joined with my guy Spencer here. Spencer, is Weston McKinney joining Leeds? Are we getting the dream midfield of McKinney, Aronson, Adams? What's going on, man? How how excited are you, and when are you moving to Leeds? <laughs> well, man, I think we're just getting some... ESPN interns wet dream that knows nothing about soccer of what what would the USMNT do if they played in the Premier League like some dumb question they'd throw out there like that like on a LeBron has to play left back it's like yeah yeah and the same same ilk is uh those type of ones they throw out I could totally see them being like what if the USMNT played in the prim would they be a mid-table team what would they do and everybody's like that's the dumbest question ever but hey it's uh Jesse Marsh is trying to solve the answer to that experiment for them. As uh, sure looks like if they can come to a fee, Weston's going leads. And uh, as far as when I'm moving out there, uh, put the deposit down on my flat. It's all tentative on the deal going through, but shouldn't be too much longer here, my friend. When we went on our world tour, I thought it was weird you were looking at places over there. But I guess you got inside info. You're meeting with Fab off the books as soon as I turned my head. So I'm a little offended, but... Um, not to date ourselves here, but that is this is like exactly the time of like Weston McKinney's getting some hype to lead. So as always, you know, your boys here are doing nothing if not refreshing fab. Uh hoping Ornstein will tweet something good. Uh just hanging by the hanging by a string, hanging by hanging by, by a, a moment, thread. I guess. Nah, I'm gonna say by a moment. We rep Lifehouse here on this uh on this <laughs> podcast, if nothing else. But um no oh, man, I uh, I really do love that. But how have you been, buddy? Pretty good, man. I can't complain. Uh, just pretty boring week here. We took in some playoff football. Took in a lot of soccer over the weekend. Uh, had my dreams of winning a title completely shot up as high as they could get after the game on Thursday with City, and then Arsenal just crushing my dreams late Sunday. So you know, emotional roller coaster a bit, but. We're still hanging in there. Uh, how about you, my friend? Chelsea did not lose, so it couldn't have been that bad of a week. Chelsea did not lose. Confetti comes out of the rafters. Everybody celebrate good times. Come on. Chelsea goes one whole game without losing. Um, in in what was what, like frustrating from a neutral perspective of like, so we, oh, get, it sucked. we, get, we get a weekend of Arsenal, Manchester United, and Liverpool Chelsea like what a great weekend of soccer and uh Saturday was left wanting I think is the is the nice way to put that well you gotta love when the Premier League schedulers like give us a nice tasty main event of a game but they give us a nice little appetizer and just a super competitive mid-table clash between Liverpool (laughs) and Chelsea yeah, well, and it, well, it it actually shows that they knew this wasn't going to be a great year for either team because most weekends that would be like the spectacle game, and the fact that they threw Arsenal and Manchester United on Sunday is like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to piss people off. We don't want to give them nothing. 
you know, but it says a lot, like, I think. Liverpool and Chelsea maybe are just like, you know, the top six is so 2022. Like, the cool thing is to be the new West Ham versus Leicester or something. And our whole point has been West Ham and Leicester haven't been doing their job of playing entertaining mid, mid-card football. So you want to... Yeah, I, I guess if you can't get it done, do it yourself. I don't Somebody know. Somebody pick up the slack, man. Somebody there has to pick up There are a lot of good games. Slack. We don't need to talk about that horrible, the the Liverpool-Chelsea game. If there's any game that appreciates our focus, deserves it, and was the crown jewel of this weekend, Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2, back and forth. What a game, man. What a game. What a game is right. This was, I referenced just a moment ago, a uh, tough one for me to take with the late winner by Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> Looked like City was going to gain a couple points there, but uh, nonetheless, this game was, it had a little bit of everything, maybe except for like a red card or something like that. But dude, it was so entertaining. Arsenal kept doing it, man. They looked really good. I believe I texted you, might've put it on the Twitter that it looked like they just had 13 guys out there or something throughout at least the first 20 minutes or so they were just absolutely all over united the last 20 minutes pretty much too but um looking really good and um yeah what, what were your thoughts on this one initially my initial thought in this game is can anyone stop marcus rashford Honestly, that 17-minute goal cuts inside, hard, low, down to the right, or down to the goalie's right, right, hard left. I was worried we were just going to watch a coronation there uh, or of Manchester United, like, being kind of back up to this and, and turned into a game, but that move was disgusting. And he's oh, I just been want, so good, man. I just want to point out that you completely left out the part where he stole Partey's lunch money um, along the way, too, <laughs> in that move. Just absolutely snagged his lunch money, went right around and fired one into the bottom left corner. Um, completely against the pace of play, kind of, as I oh, was yeah. referencing, because Arsenal were all over them early on. Side, side point here. Is Arsenal the best soccer team you've ever seen at starting games? Every game I watch them play in the first three minutes, I go, I watch and I go like, oh, this is over. And it's a soccer game. Like, it's a soccer match. Like, this doesn't happen. Like, sometimes, like, someone will run back the opening kickoff in football or hit a leadoff home run or something like that. And you go, this game might be over. I've never seen a team better in the first, like, eight minutes of play than this Arsenal team this year. They always come out of the locker room just firing on all cylinders for Arteta. Yeah, and I don't have any stats in front of me to prove you otherwise, but it it sure feels to me as a viewer watching it on TV that they're just coming out of the gates like bats out of hell every single game, as you're kind of saying. Um, And this was no exception. That goal against, that kind of uh, put them into a bit of a lull, but only after they equalized a few minutes later. They equalized pretty quickly through Nketiah. Then the game lulled for a bit. I believe it was early in the second half when... um, Saka scored his go-ahead goal, which was amazing. What a goal that was, too. It, it versus oh, Rashford. Oh, bangers <laughs> only in this game. Bangers only in this game, man. Saka, Rashford are having a an England off, I guess, to see who's the most English and who can be the best player. But, like, bringing it back real quick to just how dominant they are in the first, like, five minutes, this is just looking at the, like, match events on uh, PremierLeague.com here. 
Minute one, Arsenal corner conceded by Juan Basaka. Attempt block, Odegaard got a shot off. Second minute, corner Arsenal conceded by Bruno Fernandes. In the third minute, minute, Thomas Party gets a shot off, right? Like, it's literally a barrage right from the beginning. It's It reminds me of, like, if like the varsity scrimmage is the junior varsity in, like, basketball or something, and it just immediately looks over. So I, I, I hate to give credit to United, and I feel like, unfortunately, we're going to have to in this game, buddy. I know it pains you, but to kind of withstand that and get the first goal out of there, very impressive. Nakedia answers, um, but no, we were we just had gotten kind of to that – that Saka goal here in the 53rd minute. Which goal is nicer? Which do you prefer? The Rashford goal or the Saka goal? I have my answer, but I, I want to hear what you think here. Oh, it's such a tough one, but I think that I, I think the Rashford goal is probably better. I'd say pretty confidently it's better. But to me, there's just something sensual about a ball being curled into the side netting, dude. I love it so much. It just optically gets me going, just totally bricked up. I think I'm going to go with the Saka one, even though (laughs) I can see that I think the Rashford gold, he had a lot more to do. (laughs) Well, I'm going to continue. I'm going to back my guy Rashford here because, one, I've really been on that train since before the World Cup started, and that is... I think he might be the best player in the league right now. Um, But, I mean, I also texted you during this game and said, are both the best players in the Premier League Norwegian, but they haven't done anything on the international scale? So, um, a lot of thoughts from this one, though. After the soccer goal, which I don't know if you saw the replay on the one angle where it looks like he's facing the wrong way. Like, just the way his body is shaped up. Looks like he's going to, like, spray it out to Martinelli on, like, the far side or Zinchenko or something like that. And then just bends it. Bends it in the bottom corner. No shot for the goalie. De Gea was – I thought De Gea was pretty good in this game, but there was no chance he would get into that one. But then we get to the Lissandro Martinez little guy header. (laughs) Loop-de-loop header. The loop-de-loop and pull. Well, yeah, and his shoes are looking cool. But he – he gets a header, it bounces off the floor, and then he gets the header. And I was laughing as he's got his head taped up. And you remember all those stats about like his aerial prowess? Because immediately when he got signed by United, everybody was like, oh, he's short and this is never going to work. And you play him with McGuire. And then all these like stats came out about how he's so good in the air and all these things. And that's all I could think of when he scored. Like, it's a nice goal. Like, way to be on the spot. Good finish, especially in the box and that kind of thing. But as soon as he scored, I was just laughing. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I was just it was, like, mm. it was definitely funny to see that he was the one to get the header because, like, there have been so many stories of people making fun of him, memeing him, myself included, about his height. So good for him. Honestly, I thought on that goal more than anything, uh, pretty poor from Arsenal, probably their poorest moment in the match. And that Ramsdale comes for it. I can't believe I, I can't remember off the top of my head which defenders he crashes into, but like three of them collide. It just goes right down, bounces up perfectly for Martinez, and he loops it over everybody. I think it was uh, Gabriel or Saliba in the net trying to keep it out, but it's just the trajectory was there. yeah just mint on that. That definitely uh that definitely would have gotten some like tenth grade trigonometry trigonometry trajectory. Whoever the fuck teaches trajectory. Palabra? 
Yeah, whatever, whatever yeah, mathematical yeah, term. Some professor is bricked up watching the trajectory on that thing, though. I'm pretty sure right. that's all. And, I'm and we're here horribly disappointing as we stumble over basic uh, vocab. Not a math guy. But like, to get back to the game here, not that we don't want to keep talking math, but Eddie Niketia, a guy we kind of both were calling for Arsenal to make a move, right? To get a striker, has been their leading goal scorer this year. Comes up to tie the game early and then what do you make of this finish at the end of the game like it's a scramble in the box what do you i i i didn't think he was gonna get there to be honest yeah i thought it was just really clever is that the right word he just it's very reactionary and he just kind of throws a boot at it and i mean all it needed was a flick to direct it towards the net basically and um credit to him like being in the right position it's like a lucky bounce to just kind of get to him but um there's just it's a skill being in those spots <laughs> i've seen it a lot as a city fan of like perfect balls can be played in and if you don't have the striker there to finish them they go to nobody um it's a skill to be in those right attacking positions he was in the right spot Hold on, I'm, right, I'm, right, I'm writing this down as a chelsea fan what do you want to be in the right spot <laughs> but obama Yang's on the bench okay we'll see if we can figure it out but. pass the news on to todd somehow but uh right. <laughs> yeah, you uh he, he just reacts to it perfectly there and right at the end 90th minute, I believe it officially that went down and mm-hmm. uh dare I say possibly a coronation on this day for Arsenal. Um yeah, I, I think that, that I think well, I think since that was immediately my text to you, I think I'm going to agree with my comment that you're just taking and and putting into the podcast there as your own thought so um no but it it, seriously that's the kind of like match of the year type thing right that i think arsenal was kind of missing from this campaign right like if they say they you know continue on to win the league this will be the moment where it felt real right this will be the moment where they kind of pulled themselves up by the bootstraps they're going down they're playing the only team you could argue is as hot as they are coming into this right on form, right? They're playing United and they pull one out at the very death. Um, I think, I think Odegaard's very good in this game. Partey kind of doesn't get a lot of love, but I think he was very good. Um, And I, I will give credit to United for kind of withstanding that barrage of attack, right? We kind of, we kind of mentioned that with the first couple of minutes here. Right, with just how aggressive Arsenal are off the pace and with their pressing and everything else, they don't let you sit for a minute. So to score first and then equalize there with kind of a sweaty one, but Niketia at the buzzer, making a claim that he's good enough to to get this to get the rest of this uh campaign going here. But um yeah, man. I match of the year, one of the most fun games to watch, especially as a neutral um for the first time in a while i was actually happy not to have um any skin in the game here because i would have been horribly stressed either way yeah uh it was stressful for me with just a bit of skin from the i would really like for them to drop points type of thing but uh Mm -hmm. just to tackle kind of the coronation question really quick um i still don't think call me a hater i do think they have some magic around them like it's getting crazy some of the things that's happening it feels very Liverpooly from other like previous seasons where they just keep getting these results somehow to me 
and it's like Jesus, like can't they just drop one? And they're like losing one nothing, and they rescue like two goals at the end or something or whatever. But I still think I'm not going to believe it until I see them go against City in the league because at yeah. the end of the day, um, I think that that's they still need to like look their main rival for this title in the eye and show like a statement of intent. Um, I think they've shown everything they can outside of that, mm-hmm. but say they lose the first one, like in a really close game or something. And, and they go into the second ones and they're like three points up or something late in the season at that point. Um, and it, it mental, happen, man. right. And mentally I'm just thinking from like a, Oh, they already beat us. We can't bottle this game. The pressure starts to, you know, creep in a little bit more at that point for a team that hasn't gone on into the league yet. I I, I want to see that part of it first before I'm really ready to give them a coronation per se. And, and I think we'll go to talk about City next year. So kind of just a transition. But Arsenal, before they play City on the 15th, I believe it is. Yes, on the 15th is that first game, Arsenal host City. Um, in what you're what you're talking about could be the biggest game. Arsenal play Everton on the 4th and then they play they host Brentford on the 11th. And Brentford's been good this year, but you would absolutely take that over the schedule that City has heading into this where City plays has to go to Spurs on Sunday the 5th. That'll be the late game there. And then the following, I believe it's, sorry, yeah, and then they play the next Sunday, they host Aston Villa, which, not particularly scary, but would you rather play Brentford and, (laughs) would you rather play Brentford and and Everton, Everton, or would you rather play uh, Aston Villa and under Unai Emery, right, kind of who knows what you're going to get there, and... uh, Antonio Conte Spurs, where I report they will be playing a second half in that game. So always dangerous. You never know. Well, let's just transition that perfectly um, about Spurs not playing a second half. We haven't convened (laughs) since uh, the comeback heard around the world of City being down 2-0 at halftime to Spurs. Notoriously a terrible first half team, which they were pretty terrible in the first half of this game. But Ederson gave them a absolute gift of a goal a gift a gift that you guys never give up i almost forgot about that holy cow an absolute gift somebody uh, i i need to see a brazilian calendar because maybe their christmas is a few weeks after ours but an absolute gift by him and then just a complete capitulation inside our own box about two minutes later down two nil in a game we've been dominating you're really feeling like the whole thing's getting away from us. And then the second half happened, Andrew. Yeah, I, I, I remember with that first half, I think I watched like 34 minutes of that game and then something came up. I think I was at work and had to go do stuff. I remember texting you like an hour later, like what happened? I watched most of this game and all of a sudden Tottenham have two of the worst goals I've ever seen upon replay. And you're going into the big second half here, but for the first time this year, it kind of felt like City was was up for the title challenge. Do you think that seems fair? That's how I would kind of categorize it. You watch more City than I do, but was that the first time you felt like this is a City team that's we've seen in the past that can be really good in these scenarios? Uh, not the first time, no, but I will just say that it was getting after the, der- the Derby loss, after... 
you know, dropping points to Everton. Arsenal were sitting on, I believe, an eight-point lead going into that game. Um, down 2-0, and you're like, we're about to have a game in hand on them. This is not good. Like, they, they've had some bad, bad meltdowns, basically, over the last week leading into that. And you're like, another meltdown, more drop points. You really... It was probably the most I'd felt like this title had gotten away from us at halftime of that game. And then right. for them to just come out like bats out of hell, Riyad Mahrez might have had the game of his life. Um, probably Riyad Mahrez is, is your best player. As, like, in that game, he definitely is our best player. <laughs> He's, I, I think it's the best game. I, I think <laughs> I think that it's absolutely the best game he's played for City. He kind of willed us back into that game. And as down as I was at halftime, Andrew, I, I think I would just say that it full time after that, it feels like the type of game to me that this team's going to kick on from. Um, we have more. I mean, I'm sure you have other thoughts on this one, but just to get a little ahead, they went on and just dominated Wolves over Wolves over the weekend three nil. Also, um, it feels like they're going to kick on from this to me. Arsenal obviously still have to drop points or something, but I feel like it's as good as I felt in the last month or so about city being up for this challenge, at least. Yeah. For, for as much work as you personally did to get wolves back on the right, you know, on the right track, as we celebrated on the last pod here, you sure did a lot to put them away and, and put them down here. I just, yeah, uh, I just asked for a little favor. <laughs> I said, I've got you back on track, but I need this one boss. Holland scores, not once, not twice, but three times. Um, and it was never that it's, it was three, nothing, but it was never that close. Um, I still, I, I stick with what I said from about Mara's there where I, I think he's sneaky been your best player this season. Right. Um, especially with a lot of the creation and stuff like that. And like, even like, I think this is the game where he had that chip late that got called off sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then it was just so cool it's hard to make any argument that isn't about Erling Holland for like player of the year for city or anything like that. But at this point, man, Rian Mares has been about as good as anybody, especially playing on the wing here outside of, I think Rashford and Saka. It's funny to hear like other people's opinions on your team, because I've actually thought Mares for most of the year has been in pretty poor form to me mm-hmm. uh, for the standard I hold him at. Uh, he's kind of, I mean, obviously if you're on any wing position at city, you're getting cycled in and out a lot of the lineup, but it feels like he'd fallen a bit behind the Foden's and the Grealish's of the world. Um, Bernardo Silva, even getting time on the wing and stuff. But despite all that in this game, I mean, he more than made up for any errors he's had or any poor form because he willed him back into that game against Tottenham. And yeah, as you alluded to, um, had that chip goal that didn't count against Wolves. Uh, I believe he had an assist on one of the other goals too. So uh, yes, he had an assist on the last goal. So yeah, he's uh, playing really well right now. It's something the city need because they really can't afford. Like like I said, if they drop the points on the Thursday game to Tottenham, that's really starting to look bleak as far as mm-hmm. challenging for this league. Um, I think they're right there in there. Those two games against Arsenal loom large. They're coming up eventually. <laughs> and um, we got the first of those coming this weekend, kind of with an FA cup fixture against them. So I, I'm very interested for that when we can talk about it more at the end, just to see though, how that kind of 
plays out. Like, are these teams, you know, in the round of 32 in the FA Cup, do you, maybe it's like a, I'm not going to show you mine yet. I'm going to like, you know, kind of like a week 18 already clinched the playoffs in the NFL type of thing. Is it going to be like that? Like we can lose this cup game because those other two games are so huge for both of them. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it kind of plays out this weekend. It's shaping up to be a big weekend for uh, Lewis at right back. Uh, Casey Palmer, whatever that dude's name is, playing at the left wing. Rico but, Lewis will not stand for this. He's probably been our best fullback this year. <laughs> well, not really an accomplishment because your best fullback is playing uh, for Arsenal and his name is Zinchenko. So not a ton of sympathy from uh, from uh, your best fullback's name is Nathan Ake, and I won't hear anything else. Guy's been pretty good for you. Um Jokes aside, I our, our, the Arsenal City thing is inevitable this season, right? I love that we still have these two games coming down. Otherwise, it'd be really hard to look at this and go, it's an eight-point gap. Arsenal's flying. City keeps stumbling over things that don't really even seem to be there. You know what I mean? Like we were talking about like dropping points to Everton, right? Like That's the definition of what Arsenal's not doing this year. And... I don't know if it's about not showing like what you got because guess what? What city have is Erling Holland, Kevin De Bruyne, Riyad Mars, Jack Grealish, and Phil Foden. That that's what City's got. Um, if you want to rest those guys, but with it being kind of a slow week, I I kind of think maybe it'll be more of a first team matchup, right? Because there's not another game until I think the following Saturday for any of those guys, right? Yeah, Saturday or Sunday for Arsenal and and City, because like Chelsea has already been knocked out of both these competitions, and they're talking about like oh behind closed doors games to like keep them on a weekly type of thing. So um, either way should be good because even if just the uh, just the academies are playing, <laughs> not too bad. If you're gonna watch a game with academies, not a bad uh, not a bad place to start. Yeah, for sure. Um, be interesting. I, I think that they'll both field relatively strong lineups but more tactically i'm interested to see if they really anybody shows much of their hands but we'll find out about that um you'd rather speaking, well hold on let me let me let me clarify you'd rather pep tinker now and get it out of his system than uh feel like he's got to go mad scientist in these next two upcoming games is that, I, might be, is that what uh, i'm thinking about I, I, he might i don't know pep's got some yeah. galaxy brain plan for all this thing and i'm not even and gonna try to always work there's never any issues everybody enjoys those right i i would say yeah that you know he's had some absolute terrible blow-ups but in general i just think this guy's a mad scientist and sometimes the fucking experiments go wrong and uh <laughs> We'll see. I'm sure there's a whole, you know, the, um, it was it from always sunny in Philadelphia, I think where the guy like the conspiracy board with like the crazy face. That's just, that's Pep, like his tactic board. I'm pretty sure literally like every day of the entire week. It's, it's so Pep, if you give him two weeks to think about a match instead of one, he just is like, well, what if we did this? Why would we even play any players at all? We could just have nobody on the field, nobody on the field. They wouldn't even start the game. Can't start the game. Can't lose. Yeah, Everybody thinks that they we'll, play we'll, 11 we'll midfielders. Forever. But I'm going to play 11 goalkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> Ederson, they always complimented what, oh, he could be like an outfield player. Now he is. Yeah, He's playing it, striker. Erling Holland, getting goals, son. It might be Ederson just bombing around the midfield on Friday. So I don't know. We'll see, man. Oh, that that would be up there with all-time ways of like losing the title challenge is Ederson 
actually starts in midfield, gets some horrific knee injury, and God, that'd be horrible. Let's not even talk about that. Well, speaking, speaking of, of horrible, injuries, hor- speaking, well, and even I was going to say, speaking of horrible and barely worth talking about, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spencer, you got up for this game a little bit. Um, oh. How disappointed were you? Um, I don't know how I didn't fall asleep on the couch at 6.40 a.m. after watching like 10 minutes of this. It I know was... exactly how, because Kai Havertz put one in the back of the net in minute two, then they ruled it offside. So they tricked you early, like, oh, this might be a game. Might be exciting, but uh, it was a stinker, man. Um, I'd honestly say that, look, these two teams came into this game in ninth and 10th. Um. I've sat here and advocated for both of them saying I'm not that worried about either of them, but this was probably watching them come together was sort of a maybe come to Jesus moment for me of like, this looks like a mid table. Like we joked at the beginning, but this looks like West Ham versus Leicester, like more boring, actually more like a, this looks like crystal palace versus I don't somebody, but like it's, this was a week like 17 NFL game where like whoever wins gets the eighth pick and whoever loses gets the sixth pick. And like neither team really cares that much. Mm -hmm. Like that was as much as I hate to say it about my own team. Like it was fine. If you would ask me before the game, like, Hey, would you take a draw with Liverpool in this abysmal season that you're having? I'm like, yep. Sounds good. We'll do it all day. But it was, it was not a game for the neutrals. It was, uh, you know, like preseason, if you would have asked me like, hey, I'm trying to get my friend into soccer. What's a good game to get them into soccer? I'd be like, oh, Liverpool, Chelsea, going to be a great game at Anfield is always a lot of fun. And if you woke up a friend of yours to get them into soccer at 630 this weekend, I'm sorry, they will never like this sport. (laughs) This was not the weekend for it. I hope I hope you instead got them to a much more reasonable 1030 start time between Arsenal and uh, Manchester United. But if that's how you like sold a buddy, because I think we've all done that, right? Like you try to get somebody into the sport, be like, okay, I'm going to watch the game this weekend. We'll watch it. It'll be great. And then the game just absolutely lets you down. That was like this game to a T. It was the Uh, ultimate one of those. Absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, Yeah, a, a thing you didn't know existed. It was absolutely the worst one of those. But um. Chelsea needed the point more than Liverpool, I think. Chelsea should be is definitely, I think, the happier of the two with the point. Just to not, not any anytime you're not dropping points right now for Chelsea is is fantastic. Um, the defense looked okay um, with Thiago Silva back there and uh, Batty Ashile. Cucurella played again. We put Taylor Hall in the midfield. We got to see a little bit of the uh, hundred million dollar man. Um, Mikhailo Mudrik and he looked fantastic. He was, was quick. the most by far the most exciting part of the match was just watching him be somewhat exciting on the field. And and by my unofficial count, Chelsea hasn't had the most exciting thing on the field in the last 18 straight weeks. So we're gonna take that as progress. Um my my question, I guess, to you is here because we we've talked just a ton about Chelsea. What is Liverpool doing? Like, what is they 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 make this big play for Nunez, right? I know he's your guy. They have quality on this team, right? They make a big move for Gakpo, 
and what are they what's going on man like what what's your assessment of like because Chelsea's been so publicly having a bad season I feel like Liverpool's kind of benefited from that especially in my eyes if you're a Liverpool fan right now what do you make of this whole thing right I think we talked a little bit about last week about like the ridiculousness of like clop out and that kind of thing right I know at least me and you've spoken about it but Where's your head at with this Liverpool team? So I think that, yeah, um, Chelsea, as you kind of said, they've been, it's been very noisy, very, very noisy. The, you know, poor form of Chelsea. And it feels like it's been such, such a bad season, like just terrible. And and part of that's my fault. I get on here and yell about it. So that's why I wanted to make sure we talked about Liverpool today because they deserve just as much shame as we do. Sure. And I, I think that, there's a lot of validity validity to what you're saying of because Chelsea have been so publicly shamed, shamed basically by everybody for how they've done this season. Liverpool's really flown under the radar. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like me, a lot of people are willing to give Liverpool a lot of slack here to be like, okay, they're going to figure it out at some point, right? They've built up enough, you know, trust there's enough equity yep. in the bank mm-hmm. for us to be like, they're going to figure this out at some point. But yeah, I, I would agree that after this weekend, like this is probably the tipping point for me of being like, okay, there's, there's problems here. And I'm starting to get like actually worry about them as far as doing really anything of challenging for Europe or something in the league. Yeah. They're, they're a perfect yin yang of Chelsea right now is everywhere. Chelsea doesn't have any trust, Right. With like, oh, the coach, what are we doing with the coach and this infrastructure? And they're just buying everybody. Liverpool has all this goodwill built up of, oh, they made a quiet move for Gakpo and they really get a nice, you know, they have Jurgen Klopp. They have one of the best coaches in the world. But at the same time, you're, what is it, two points ahead of us right now? And you just drew with us? Yeah, they sit ninth and we sit 10th. And yeah, we're both tied on 28 points halfway through the season here. Like, that's an abject failure by both by both teams. And Liverpool is just doing it quietly. And I don't know, is it possible a Liverpool fan would be like at least jealous that Chelsea's doing big money things about it, right? Trying to do something, maybe? Or is that just me trying to comfort my own self as a Chelsea fan? I think it's mostly <laughs> you trying to comfort yourself. But like, I think you, there's you know a, what I you know what I mean though. I guess right. I, I think it's it's mostly yeah comforting to yourself. But I would say that like there's got to be something to them, like wishing they could go out and just get a midfielder or something. Because like here's the thing. I, I actually yeah, I, I have. I have to go back. I have to say that I lied earlier that said, like, how did I not fall asleep the first 10 minutes? I was asleep the first 10 minutes. I turned this game on in, like, the 15th minute. I finally woke <laughs> up. But consequently, because of that, I, you know, opened my phone, looked at the lineups on these teams, and, like, this is a Liverpool-Chelsea game. If you told me before the season that we'd have a midfield matchup between Lewis Hall and Stefan Bajetic, like, oh, yeah. What? Like, what is heavily contested? This, this is Liverpool versus Chelsea. I don't need, I didn't know who either of these two guys were before three weeks ago, the first time yep. they really ever played for either team. So, yep. um, like, looking at Liverpool, though, like, you're telling look me at the lineup they put out. Harvey Elliott, uh, and Navi Keita isn't getting you out of bed in the morning versus Lewis Hall, Connor Gallagher, and Jorginho. <laughs> Like, here's the thing is, like, I think 
<laughs> Harvey Elliott's actually impressed me for them. I think he's fine, but like, yeah, he's he's been fine. Kate yeah. Kate has been a failure there. He's absolutely been a oh, failure there. Tiago is good when he's healthy. At least he was able to play this game. But then like Basetich in there instead of Fabinho or Henderson. I, I don't know if those guys are coming off injury, maybe, but. The hundred million dollar man, fucking Darwin Nunez, on the bench. On the bench, uh, yeah. Gakpo did not. He has not looked good since he got there. He didn't has not looked like World Cup Gakpo at all. And Trent bench too. Trent, they're benching Trent to play James Milner at right back. <laughs> like, what's going on there, man? Like, I don't watch them week in and week out. I just looked at the lineup and I was like, oh well, everybody's hurt, right? Like Chelsea, everybody's hurt. Well, if if, if Klopp's if Klopp's not gonna try with this lineup, I'm not getting up for it. That, and that's a fair assessment. But like Tiago, he played according to the lineup here a full 90 minutes. That dude is world class on the ball, and he didn't do anything for the whole game. Maybe I'm forgetting something, right? I know I can put on my Chelsea shaded glasses, but like. Navigator not been good. Tiago, not been good at all. Milner is a hundred years old, so maybe you give him a pass, right? But like, you know, I like Trent not starting, Fabinho not starting, Henderson not starting, and maybe, maybe you can kind of chalk that up to rest or whatever. And if Klopp's looking at the Chelsea team and thinking maybe we can rest some guys and beat them, he hasn't been wrong. It's just wrong. it wasn't right this week, but. Um, I just don't know what Liverpool's kind of next move is, right? Because there's all this stuff with their ownership too. Um, there's this these rumblings of clop out. I think me and you both think are absolutely ridiculous, but I don't know what their next move is. Yeah, I'm not really behind the clop out thing. We've talked about this before, but I will say just an interesting point that I've seen brought up by multiple people is. Klopp really has never rebuilt a team a second time. Like at Dortmund, he a good point. he didn't rebuild the team a second time. He just moved on to Liverpool. Um, God, I can't remember where he was before Dortmund, but I heard he didn't do it uh, there either. Was it he, Mainz? Was he that sounds Mainz? right. That yeah. sounds right. But whichever team it was, they said that looking back, if you look at it, he built the team up the second time and or the first time it didn't. He left to go to Dortmund, so he's never really done the second cycle thing. Not saying he can't do it. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see why if he's given the time, he couldn't do it again. But just more than anything, it's just crazy to me that, like I, I don't see how they're benching some of the guys they're benching. Like there's not injuries there. Like I know there's some injuries there. Like Diogo Jotes is hurt, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. Maybe there are fitness things that I completely missed. I'm not on the, you know, beat of Liverpool. Right to check to see if Henderson's dealing coming off a, you know, ankle injury or something, but there's nothing mm-hmm. that I was completely aware of. And to see like Henderson, Fabinho, Trent all on the bench, that's like, <laughs> there's something where there's smoke, there's fire to me. And there's something going yes. on there. That's yeah. just not right in Merseyside for them. I think Chelsea's, I think maybe Klopp saw like that 11 of uh starting, of like Chelsea players that were injured and they were like, well, I can put them all on the substitute bench because on the bench you had starting this game, Trent Fabinho, <laughs> Jordan Henderson, uh, Darwin Nunez. I think like not starting Darwin Nunez is like what I keep kind of coming back to is like you bring in this guy, right? And I know he hasn't been in a good run of form, but guess what's usually been pretty good for a striker in this league playing against Chelsea. You want to get right play against Chelsea. You get some confidence going like, 
That's but like and another thing is that Klopp is pretty well known for complaining about not getting signings and stuff and not being able to keep up oh, with yeah. a city or a Chelsea or a United that will spend money more freely than him. And you bench your hundred million dollar striker, like, uh, like there's just it's I don't know. There's so much noise there right now, and like Mohamed Salah, like when are we gonna start talking about Salah? Has not been that good this year. Like he has these peaks, he's, sure, but these yeah. these valleys are becoming more and more. These valleys, yeah. it's, it's he's always outside of a couple. I've always felt like there's a, he had those couple of fantastic seasons where he mm-hmm. was just crazy, like the entire season, you know. Right. But he scores in bunches. Is yeah. that what you were going to say? Like he scores in bunches. It's like, oh, he had four goals in the last two weeks. Yeah, he's he's always he's felt, besides those those couple years, like pretty peaks and valley kind of like to me. And these valleys seem like they're getting the last, what, like kind of since he came back from AFCON is, to me, last year, it seems mm-hmm. like the valleys are getting a little, like instead of being like one, two, three games, they're like, well, you know, man, like Salah hasn't done much the last three, four, five games. It feels a little more like now. And it's just at some point, this guy just re-upped before this season, I believe, for like five more years. Um, Mm -hmm. At some point, it's a little worrying because I think so much, especially with Mane gone, so much of that team's offense has to go through that guy. He's been the creator for them for years, kind of. And um, if he's a step off of it, you start to want, you start to worry at like, weirdly where the goals come from in this team you know what I mean if he's off of it yeah and I I think a lot of that like at their best right Liverpool got a ton of goals from Salah a ton of goals from Mane and then the rest of the goals came from Trent and Andrew Robertson doing incredible like putting in incredible crosses right sure Bobby Firmino wasn't getting a ton of goals or anything else like that but he was always around popping up and that kind of thing I don't know that that can't happen again, but the fact that it isn't has got to be worrying because the defensive acumen of this team right now, I mean, Chelsea didn't have anything for them because they're not, Chelsea also aren't good. (laughs) So maybe a bad example, but the second Mudrick came on the pitch, like James Milner, like immediately got a foul and subbed off and Trent couldn't do much better with him over there. Like, they're very just vulnerable to attack right now, Liverpool. And that's not been the case because you've had like the scariest guy in English football sitting at the back, Virgil van Dijk, solving all your problems for a couple years with him and Fabinho right in front of him. And if they're not going to be the core of this team, the rest of it doesn't work that well, right? I think Mane is the other thing that really doesn't get brought up. Like, why does Mane not get brought up as a huge loss for Liverpool? Right. Like, like it's not talked about. And he was, I think he was a better player than Salah. Like I really do, but like, it doesn't get brought up as this, like, Oh, Liverpool can't keep their players and this type of thing. It's like, they lost the best attacker on their team and now they're not as good. I know he's been hurt and not playing for Bayern. So maybe that's part of it, but it's just a very weird, it's very weird in Liverpool right now. And they've been so stable. They've been something you can count on. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really weird up there um, in Merseyside and to stay in Merseyside somewhere where it's maybe a little worse. bit less, <laughs> yeah, maybe a little less weird, maybe a little more just, you know, horrific. <laughs> Everton, man, they they weren't in Merseyside. They were down in London facing 
a nice little 19th versus 20th matchup between them and West Ham and West Ham come out two nil victory, man. And wow, does it look bleak for Everton? Yeah. And, and despite what the internet may tell you, um, Mason Mount did not have the worst, uh, worst afternoon in, in Liverpool for a Chelsea midfielder. It would have to absolutely go to Frank Lampard who drops points to Everton here and uh has been dropped from the squad and from the squad from his from his post there so just just tough all around man that is ever that team is brutal i know i i am gonna take credit the same way you did with wolves last week of i yelled about west ham and west ham figured it out a little bit and by figured it out i mean did the exact same thing they've been doing all year it just worked this week because everton is brutal well that was a big thing in this game, kind of to move into it, is um, Everton were given a good amount of the ball, and Frank Lampard said as much in like his post-match comments of, oh, we had more possession, and we were playing well, like we were on the ball, and it's like... 68% almost, possession. True. There's, there's which, having a lot of possession, but then 68's a ton. That's a ton, and the, the reason why it's a ton is that it was pretty obvious to me that David Moyes of West Ham went into this game and was like, these guys can't do fucking shit on the ball. Let's just <laughs> let them have the ball and they will make mistakes and we will get counterattacks and we will score. And that is exactly what happened. He completely outcoached. It, it was very similar to like the Netherlands versus USA game to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like of like Louis Van All in that game was like I don't think they're good enough to really break down our defense and create a lot of opportunities. And we will just absolutely saw through them like a knife through butter uh, on the counterattack. And that's exactly what West Ham did. Do you think David Moyes just read out their lineup and then asked if the West Ham players thought their pl- the player he was mentioning was any good? Alex Awobi, is he any good? Are you guys afraid of him? No, we, we can handle him. What about Damari Gray? No, he's not. What about Dominic Calvert-Lewin? I mean, we were not going to give him any free headers. Okay. Well, then that's their attack. So if we lose to them today, you're all fired. You're all Including fired. me. Including <laughs> me. It was a loser leaves town match, and Moyes was like, this is who you're putting up? All right, fine. I'll, I'll hang out for a couple more weeks. What's it to you? This is a get-right game if I've ever seen it. But, like, holy cow, man. Just just horrible not fun to watch like Everton not fun to watch either right I know it's about more than that but like you you look like a team like that like barely got through the playoff last year right you know like that yo-yo team sometimes it comes up and you're like you're not Norwich you didn't win the league what are you doing here and they're immediately back down that looks like Everton who are a huge team Right, like historically, financially, except for well, it's all falling apart now, as you kind of alluded to. But what do you, what do you want from Everton here? Yeah, I think um, there's plenty to break down with here here with Everton. So I just want to throw in really quick uh, for West Ham, huge three points for them, got them out of the relegation zone. Maybe they'll kick on from this. I don't really know, but uh, we shall see. But for Everton, like this is, this is at the panic stations because 
this is bad right now. And if it does not work itself out, like they, they need to get this manager hire correct after sacking Lampard because they, they legit, they, they cannot go down. Like it's, it's not like a, they, that would be bad for them. That'd be like, horrible. It, it's bad be, for anybody. It's catastrophic for them. Catastrophic. I don't know that they will continue to be? survive as yeah. is should they go down because if you guys aren't familiar they are building a new stadium right now to the tune of i have no i have <laughs> no idea how much probably the new <laughs> I'm gonna i don't imagine, know that for a fact but i'm i'm sure there are tickets still available <laughs> i would imagine it's something like a billion dollars because that seems like that's what all stadiums cost nowadays so the stadium is not completely funded. Like they started to build it. They've broken ground. They've begun construction, but this was not a thing where it was funded and paid for. Like it was a, somehow they MacGyvered a deal that was, we will pay for this as we go forward, like in an installments, but it was not totally bankrolled. Like if they go this down, is, they're well, not getting, it's a Barcelona economic lever situation. Something. And guess what? I don't mean to surprise anybody here. Everton, Many less economic levers than uh, than Barcelona to pull. I think the only lever think- is the Premier League check money lever. And if they're out of the Premier oh, League and those checks stop showing up, then I don't know where this goes. I saw today that their um, owner, Mashiri, he's thinking about selling the club now. He's going to listen to offers. And that to I me sure is... Would be. I, to me, that's like a sign of how bleak this might be that he's like... Yeah, uh, somebody buy this and just get me the fuck out of the situation because I will be ruined financially if this continues <laughs> to play out the way it is. Not and- just the team. I will be ruined financially. Like, it's that bad. Um, to kind of talk about, like, the candidates that they've they've brought up there um, the two, to take over for, for Lampard, the two most popular ones, like, are Bielsa, um, who was the coach at Leeds before Jesse March, um, Marsh, and then Sean Dyche. Can you think of two more different managers just in general? Not even up for this job. Are there two more different managers than those two? No, there are. And that's why, like, when this leaked, it was – I have no faith that Everton's <laughs> going to get this right because if that's – we either want – the manager that like of the two legitimately the two managers who've probably been the most offensive defense bedamned managers in fucking um Bielsa and the most offense be damned defense only manager probably in the last in the Premier League era maybe in Sean Dyche so like this is, this is the equivalent of being like I'm going to I'm going to visit England from America I'm either going to fr- fly a private plane or walk there's yeah. no in between yeah, like I'm gonna buy a Lamborghini or I'm going to buy a beat a bird, up a bird scooter. I'm either um, going to be taking a bird scooter or a Lamborghini. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. What? And I mean, I I'll be honest. I kind of think the right answer is Daesh. Right? I think the bird scooter is the right answer. <laughs> well, and, and and I well, I think Daesh is the bird scooter. I don't think Daesh is a Lamborghini. Come on. Man. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, I think I take like, the bird scooter if I'm ever because to- if you if you look at this lineup. They can't or afford a speeding ticket. They can't afford anything. They can't afford gas. So they better take the bird scooter. <laughs> uh, hopefully, get a gift card or something. They can get this figured out. But like, if you look at like the, as much as you hate to even like say it, like, what is the strength of this team, Spencer? Right. I would argue the strength of this team should be a goalie who starts for England 
Connor Cody and James Tarkovsky. Like that's what it should be. I don't know that that has been the case this year. And like Yuri Mina, right? And I don't think Yuri Mina is very good. But I do think if you let Sean Dyche tell him exactly where to stand in front of the goal, it will be hard to shoot around him because he's very large. He is a um, large human. I think if you're gonna conversely ask like Seamus Coleman and Adrisa Gay to put together these beautiful passing things and absolutely sprint for 90 minutes and wear out the whole thing just to get the ball to Alex Awobi. Maybe that's not the best strategy for not getting relegated. Yeah. They're... That's what Bielsa would do, right. Bielsa wants you to press and pass and play this beautiful, like aggressive game. And I think you can tell Yuri Mina where to stand. That seems easier. Yeah. Well, I think just in general, organizing a defense is a lot easier than organizing an attack. It seems like in world football, it's a lot easier to be negative and defensive and, you and know, get results and reap grind out yeah. results than it is to be like, we're going to beat this team four to three. Like that takes a lot more time to build up that type of, you know, passage of play type of thing at like that culture almost even. So <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think Deitch makes more sense or somebody in that elk of, a defensive absolutely negative please save our lives for god's sakes type of manager rather right. than going progressive two two cra- i have one crazy idea and one real idea here's what they should do is uh sell anthony gordon for 60 million to some chumps like they could have done months ago um and then take that 60 million and hire both Daish and bielsa as co-head coaches kind of an odd couple scenario maybe they fit together perfectly they're they're complete one another that's not a real suggestion it sounds like something off of like hgtv or something no that's the home network tlc (laughs) some type of weird reality show like milf island are they are they putting together a little bed and breakfast in vermont they're gonna be It's kind of a fixer upper and they're going to put it. I don't know if they're going to sell the house or just kind of fix it up. It's going to be crazy. Uh, crazily enough, Dice is the one who wants to sell. You, you would think he'd be the one doing all the home renovations, but no. Bielsa's got a real eye for picking out crown molding. Um, but like even bringing it back to when Bielsa was at Leeds, they had that. I think it's on Amazon, those documentaries. I think they did two seasons of it. Mm-hmm. where they're kind of building with Bielsa. And I don't know if you ever watched that, but the whole first season, they talk about how important it is to build this Bielsa culture and have like guys that can play for Bielsa, right? They talk about guys like Jack Harrison, not necessarily being the best winger, but being very capable and can run forever, presses intelligently, right? There are better players you could have. Like they had Rafinha, and he didn't really fit that system. Jack Harrison was like a better fit for Bielsa. Trying to go to Bielsa in the middle of a season where you have no money and all your players are 100 years old is an insane move to me. Like, I, I just want to, like, impress that upon people. Like, I would rather watch Bielsa play nine out of ten times. I think he plays a really interesting brand of football. Everton can't afford to be interesting right now. They can't afford to do anything. <laughs> Yeah, you got that right. I think it's psychotic for them to even think about going to Bielsa in the middle of the season. I'm with you in step on that. Uh, Just one last thing on the Bielsa thing is that 
you mentioned it was like a building with Bielsa thing, and that seems like it would be a perfect name for our HGTV show with him and Sean Dyche. <laughs> building or with selling Bielsa. with Sean. Or selling with Sean. Building with Bielsa oh. and selling, selling with Sean. Oh, we've done it. You know oh, what? Actually, man. Spencer, go back. Edit that out. I don't want people stealing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'll hit you with a C and D if you hit, try to take that. A collect, <laughs> the season is copyright of the Fish and Fries podcast, a Fish and Fries production. <laughs> but um, just really, oh, dude, I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> but let's just round out this Everton thing. Um, yes, you kind of referenced the Anthony. Anyone's had with Everton in about a month is that straight up two minutes. Uh, you mentioned the Anthony Gordon thing a second ago of like right as we were recording, yeah. I had my phone light up with a fab tweet of Newcastle. We're putting bids on him and they're thinking of selling him to Newcastle for like 60 million. Isn't that like, actually they want 60 million. Tra- I believe. He didn't report to training today. Isn't that interesting? I saw while you were t- yeah. He, I mean, one who would lead training. Maybe he just thought it was canceled. Like let's give the guy the benefit of the doubt. Like, Oh, no coach. Great. No practice. Perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's, um, eight, he's 20 years old. He thinks like that probably. But. Maybe. But um, it's just like, I, I believe actually the exact quote that Fab put out was something more along the lines of Newcastle want to get him for like 30 to 40 million and Everton are going to try to get 60 million. But didn't Chelsea like mm-hmm. offer them 50, 60 million in the offseason for this guy? And now they're like, oh, well, you know what? Uh, we don't want to do that because we, he's so crucial to our team. But now they're so strapped. They're so strapped for cash, man. That they're like, well, that they were strapped for cash four months ago. Hundred percent. That's the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, and there's a lot to laugh at and have fun with Todd Bowley about. But like, if you don't take the money, it's your fault if it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. You can only laugh at Todd Bowley later if you sell Anthony Gordon for sixty million. Now you look dumb. Yeah, because he's not played sixty million worth dollars of football this year. I would hope that offer from Chelsea is straight up not on the table. Yeah, I, I don't think it is, and I think it's just more than anything something that goes to say how bad it is just at Everton, like inside of Everton too. Like they are acknowledging how dire this reality is, kind of by even going back and making him available potentially after you know, kicking a gift horse in the mouth, quite frankly, in the preseason, yeah. because I don't think he was ever worth what Chelsea was throwing out there for him. No, we, we laughed at Chelsea then, but in a rare moment this year, I think Chelsea does get the last laugh. Yeah. And then um, just one more note on them is uh, Dan Yuma from. Yeah. Yeah. He's Real, right? Thank you. I was going to say Valencia. I was like, that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. Villarreal. Villarreal, uh, Dan Yuma, he was totally rumored, like linked to go there. Fab was tweeting about it yesterday. Yeah, all, and All but the here we go. Yeah. And they get hijacked by Tottenham today. Fab, here we go. And it felt like it happened in like five minutes of Tottenham looking to hijack him and then right back with the here we go with the kit and everything. So they lose out on that. And, uh, I, I actually just saw the here we go. And Dan Juma, you know how like you're just kind of skimming it, right? You see the thing and you're not like reading it because I thought I knew what it was about. To be perfectly honest, I was like, oh, nice for Everton to drag Dan Juma down to the championship. But no, he's going to suffer two months of Conte here. So we'll see. uh, We'll see how that goes for Dan Juma. But salt in the wound, Everton fans. It's dark. I'm really interested to see what they do with this hire. If they bring on Bielsa I'm gonna I, I don't know 
I, I just, I think it's crazy, but maybe it'll work. I don't fucking know. We'll see. What that's the other part of it is like, maybe it's so different from what they were doing. It'll throw off some teams, but with Bielsa, maybe. it's not a secret what he's going to do. I guess that's the true with Dice, but I don't know. Yeah. Both, both seem crazy. Both seem crazy. And we'll see what level of crazy they go. But, um, Outside of those four games, the rest of the Premier League was not very crazy this weekend. It was kind of a thank God we got some really tasty ones like we talked about earlier in the pod, because a lot of these games were pretty dull this weekend. Um, Leeds and Brentford, nil, no draw. Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, Drew 1-1. Leicester, mm-hmm. Brighton, 2-2. Southampton, Villa, one nothing. Palace, Newcastle, nil, nil. Spurs beat Fulham to yesterday, 1-0. Like, do it, you got anything on any of those? No, I, I think you could actually just say that's exactly how you thought all those games might go. Yeah. Right? If you were just picking games and you were not having any fun with it, you'd be like, ah, Leeds, Brighton, eh, draw. We'll let Bournemouth beat Forest, I guess. Leicester, Bright, Leicester Brighton, eh, draw. Like, Villa beat Southampton, Palace, Newcastle. Ah, let's give Palace a draw. They've been... They've been kind of feisty lately with that Olises, you know, free kick and that. Chris like, Chris Richards, I have that on Palace. Chris He's Richards. Two straight yes, starts. Yes. He was in the Premier League team of the week. I saw it right back, which is weird because he played center back both games, I'm pretty sure. But whatever. <laughs> Nonetheless, cool. Uh, happy Stop to see that. putting USA players into right and left back positions where they are not belonging. I'm talking to you, Leo. All right? Keep my guy out of left back. <laughs> get him to glad back get, if you want to put him in a back you put him to glad back you let you let Gladback <laughs> take him all right 100 for our boy tim way hashtag free tim way but TV. yeah outside those like leads i think getting a point against brentford solid nil nil keeping clean anytime leads keeps a clean sheet that's kind of you know important for them i think it, well it's seriously like not dropping points super important for leads because brentford have been better than them this season yeah right 100 literally don't lose. Great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leicester getting, I mean, they were at home. So I think if you're a Leicester fan, you'd want them to take at least points off of Brighton, but Brighton's been in such good form. So kind of a good result for them, but yeah, really uh, otherwise I don't really have good. much. I, I just wanted to kind of hide, maybe bring up like palace, Newcastle. Like if we thought Newcastle was going to really compete at the top here, those are the kind of games you need to to win, right? They got a point out of it, which is fine. Um, but I feel like that's the second time I've kind of thought that about them of like, if you're really going to be up here and play with the big boys, like this is where you need to win one. Right. This is where you need to pull out a little bit of a better result. But um, and then the other thing with Newcastle is I saw this week that they both loaned out Chris Wood and that their manager wants a striker. How don't do one of those things if you're gonna want the other. Like you must really not like Chris Wood. Chris Wood's been pretty good for them, I think. Like Isak's a better player, but like I, I saw those two things like back to back, like because I think he got loaned to is it Nottingham Forest, Chris Wood? Correct. And then the next thing I saw about Newcastle was uh Eddie Howe being like, We need a striker, and it's like, hey, I don't know how to tell you this, but you super just had a striker. Not that Chris Wood solves all your problems, but just just funny thing I noticed. Yeah, and I think that's actually a good point to bring up Newcastle because um, the one thing you maybe worry about with them is the last couple weeks, um, there haven't been many goals in this team, like, like lots of 
one or zero goal showings for them. They're getting some results, like at least getting points in these games, but you do worry a little bit, like where the goal is going to come from if they keep going along like this. Uh, even today, they did in the Carabao Cup with the little bit we care about it. They won one nil at Southampton, but only one goal in that game today too. So, the I don't really care about it cup. Yeah, the I don't really care about cup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, one nil in that today. They went at Southampton. There's two legs in that, but yeah, they're. If there's anything about Newcastle, I'm starting to worry about is it does kind of seem like they are falling down that little tier of I don't think either of us really had them in the title title race proper but right. but that's where they, they were that's them. right right but they had I, themselves I, there. I think that they've just taken a little bit of a step back they're more falling into what you know they probably are more likely to be as a team that can we thought probably coming into the year fight for Europe um, they should finish in Europe at this point and yeah, they feel like they're just falling back into the pack a little bit more than maybe a couple weeks ago, I guess. Right, which is still has them ahead of schedule, kind of like we talked about, right? Um, they, like, as far as their, like, kind of development schedule, and they've kind of responded by being linked to, like, some names, right? Like, we just talked about them with Anthony Edwards. Um, Gordon. Anthony Edwards. Gordon Edwards, thank you. Anthony Edwards is who? <laughs> uh, Anthony Edwards is a basketball player for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Who, Who's Gordon Edwards? To be honest, Gordon Edwards? I don't know. I, Anthony Edwards, for sure, is, like, actually a really good scorer for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Would really bring a dynamic into the attack that I know uh, Newcastle don't have because he's 6'4 and can absolutely windmill dunk. So, um <laughs> but if our but if what if NBA players played in the Premier League, Spencer? Yeah, chill awesome. out, ESPN. Um, <laughs> you're going to get an internship there and just leave me on this podcast by myself. I, I don't know what else I was going like to say. I'm, I'm completely laughing about. But uh, oh, they got brought up for um, Pulisic, despite him being injured, and they got brought up for Ziyech, um, which obviously I'm noticing more because it's Chelsea centric, right? But like they're getting a little restless because they're kind of slipping, right? Like, I think they're, they got money to spend. I, I would not be shocked if they made a move. Yeah, I'd expect something them to probably do something. Um, they Saudi Arabia's got some irons in the fire along with those dead bodies they're burning. So I'm sure yeah, that they'll <laughs> figure something out. Tough. Tough. <laughs> you know who needs to figure something out, Andrew, as we transition out of the Premier League and go south to Italia. Uh, Juve is going to have to figure some shit out because they are went from third place to like 11th real fast with that dash 15 bomb. Yeah, you're going to want to not. The first thing I'd recommend to Everton this year is not doing whatever Juve did and losing 15 points because I don't think they have 15 points to lose. But um, to kind of break down how Juve got themselves in this position, this is, I mean, me and you talked about a little bit, but our like rudimentary understanding of there's no actual value placed on these football uh, on these soccer players, right? It's all made up value, right? If Spencer has a forward that I think is worth 40 million and he tells me it's worth 60 million, right? Neither of us are right until we agree to pay something in the middle for him, right? So, um what Juve did and was doing and other clubs are involved with this too. Um is they would buy a player for like $10 million and then 
somehow with the amortization, they would like show a profit. They would report a profit of like $8 million, right? Um, and then they would get rid of that player again and like double show a profit, right? So they'd be, if they sold them again for $10 million, they would show a, correct me if I'm wrong here, but like show the $8 million profit from their initial thing, right? Spread out over the t- length of the contract. Then when they get rid of him, show another 10 million if that's what they sold him for, right? And then they would show like a profit of 18 million that never existed. Yeah, it's pretty complicated. It's quite hard to explain over a podcast. Basically, it's a long way of, in a nutshell, we can say they, they were cooking the books, basically. They were reporting false, false profits, cooking the books, making things look better financially, lying to their shareholders. Um, if you really want an in-depth look at it, I would highly suggest Gab Marcotti's piece on ESPN.com about it. Um, he had one Which from the other day. Which has almost no mention of NBA players playing in the Premier League. No mention of Very NBA players, I think, at ESPN, all, which is A real crazy. departure from what they normally do, but... No, no, no. I, I agree. It's it's very good. Me trying to explain it in an audio medium with math and accounting is never going to be my strong suit. But I think you um, put in a good effort, buddy. I, I the effort but, was there. Effort and math has never been my problem. It's been. They but I was. Uh, I'll tell you, just as somebody who even <laughs> kind of does understand it, I was sitting here trying to connect the numbers, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is tough podcasting. So I do really suggest the piece if. Um, you guys want to check it out because that's probably the best, most in-depth way to really look into it. But basically what it boils down to, they cook the books, they lied to their shareholders, uh, reported false gains and um, minus 15 points is the penalty. It was originally supposed to be minus nine, but they were essentially doing better than people thought they would when that penalty was thrown out. And they said, they basically wanted to make it as impossible as they could reasonably to keep them out of the champions league. Mm-hmm. So well, they upped it to 15. Well, and, and they've been accused of this before it goes on to say in the ESPN article, like it's not their first time. There were like, I think six other clubs in Italian soccer that were like brought before, before, and it was all dismissed. So the fact that they've got Juve kind of dead to rights on this um, is, is hilarious kind of to me. <laughs> but they have uh um that 15 point thing is is huge right they were kind of what where were they third i think you third. were third right mm-hmm. and we we noted their uh imminent demise to napoli a couple weeks ago but um this is this is a huge thing like for soccer in general um that italy is not allowing their most famous team to kind of just do whatever they want. Right. Certainly. And, um, they're like, kind of, as we talked with Everton, I I don't think, you know, they're not going to go down or anything. They're going to finish somewhere in a mid table, but Juventus, their last two years, granted, these are COVID years in both circumstances, at least somewhat affected by COVID, particularly 2021. But, uh, their last two years of <laughs> losses are 210 million euros and then 250 million euros, which were both record losses for Syria. And it's back to back years. They broke their own record. So like them not getting champions league money is a really, really big deal that, I mean, that was with champions league money. Granted they got knocked out early this year, but that was 
with Champions League money baked into the pie. So like things get dark early for this club if they just keep losing money like they're throwing it off the side of the boat as if they're fun coupons a la Leo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. And, and like my kind of other thing is like the squad itself is not very impressive. Usually I feel like Juve has um, like a very impressive squad, especially if somebody not following like week to week. You know what I mean? Like it's very easy to be impressed with them from afar, but they've done a lot of letting their top players go and that kind of thing. Like, you know, they still have Chiesa there, Wes McKinney, Vlahovic, or Vlahovic, but like, you know, Kulisevsky gone, right? Delit gone. Paulo Dybala gone, right? Like they've kind of had a lot of turnover these last couple of years. It's been to to have them be cooking the books found out and not really have anything to show for it shows how how far they've fallen for sure and just to kind of finish on that um at least in italy napoli um 12 points clear now after this past weekend too like it, it's now or never they don't win if they find a way to screw up this skidetto man i don't think they're ever going to win one ever again so I'm pretty much, we talked about coronations for teams. I'm ready to coronate Napoli and they better not blow this. Cause if they find a way to with Juventus, not even on their tails, it's uh, one of the worst collapses I've ever seen. Is there any particular Georgian soccer player you'd like to coronate by name here, Spencer? Yeah, I, I will coronate KK. No, come on. Give it a shot, bud. I, I got it. So. Kvaret Shvalia. Vicha Kvaret Shvalia. Fart Shvelia. I was pretty close. We're getting better. We are getting better. That was just for you. This podcast is all about growth and we're growing, baby. And we said Scudetto correctly. We're on fire. This is very impressive by us. Um. (laughs) Honestly, otherwise, though, across Europe, man, La Liga, nothing really happened. Yeah. Same old, same old. Real Madrid Um, won, Barcelona won, still three points apart. Cool, fun. Right, Don't they'll play each other again, and and we'll we'll care again then. We'll really lock um, in then. Depay, did Depay go to Atletico? I'm yes, trying to think. that did that, happen. Yeah. Um, so Zhao Felix to Chelsea, and then to a red card, and he won't play again until February, so that's fun. And then they responded by signing Memphis Depay on, I believe, just a loan from uh, from Barca. So that's kind of how the player movement is kind of shook out there. Um, yeah, PSV played a entertaining friendly against Ronaldo. Um, PSG, not PSV. Uh, PSV PSV's. is giving up every attacking player they have. Uh, My they played like Groningen or something. Nani Matiuki, gone to Chelsea. Everybody from PSV, get out while the getting is good. Um, that's but PSG, like... PSG, yes. Did, did you that. have any... Like, I just thought, like... Twitter was going crazy late last week when it was the fucking Saudi League All-Stars versus PSG. And I was like, this is dumb. I don't care about this and at maybe, all. Maybe it was entertaining. I saw stuff that it was like legitimately entertaining, but also I don't care. Um, don't give a shit. And I, I don't care. I, I'm not I, going I to didn't watch. understand um, how so many people gave a shit. <laughs> something something from PSG that did make me laugh this week is um, I think in, their, in one of their cup games, uh, PSG pulled... Um, Oh, I gotta find it here, but basically Mbappe scored scored five goals in a game, right? Which is impressive. 
but they had uh, the tweet I saw that was making me laugh was saying like, Mbappe scores like France record five goals in a competitive match. And I just wanted to really, you know, ask how competitive it was if one team has all the good players on it. And uh, that team has Mbappe. And of course he scored five goals in a farmer's league. So, um, but Great no, job, like, Gillian. yeah, yeah, you, you did it. Hooray. Congrats. Um, I never thought you could do it. I was kind of surprised to see like five goals. Is that like a, like a big record for a league? Like what? I don't know what the most premier league goals scored in one game is, but I don't know. Just something I hadn't thought about. I'll, I'll Google it here quick, but like, um, well, as you Google that man and just give us this beautiful information that we need because i actually am very curious now uh, i'll say i know I, I, as, as good radio as it is here to uh that's um, all right there's two of us and i can drive the bus for a second as we talk about the bundesliga being back finally welcome to the party that friend on, that just on, shows on, up three on, hours late trivia time trivia time are you ready trivia time for you here there have been according to 90min.com there have been five players in the Premier League history who have scored five goals in the game. Can you name three? Aguero's one of them. Aguero is one of them. You have two. You have, well, I'll give you five guesses to name three of them. I don't feel like Harry Kane's ever scored five in a game. It seems like I would remember that. Maybe did Salah score five? Not according to this quick Google search. No. Um. Is, is there anybody modern? Are they all old guys? They're all, <clears throat> nah, they're mostly old guys. I would say there are two very gettable. gettable like Ronaldo ones. maybe when he's United? Mm-mm. No, there's one guy from United. Um, Rooney? But, no, not him either. This See, is I bad suck radio. at this old Andy, trivia it, stuff. No, I, I do too. We're, we're a new, so Andy Cole did it okay. apparently. I Alan Shearer is the one I think. I probably should have gotten that. Jermaine Defoe wouldn't have gotten that, and then uh, Dimitar Berbatov was kind of the uh, other one I was thinking I, maybe you. Yeah, could. I probably wouldn't have gotten there, but nonetheless, five goals, <laughs> great. Now I look like an idiot. Thanks for that. <laughs> in, uh, in our night, if we we had to make sure we evened out the odds after uh, after you correctly pulled Argentina to win the whole World Cup, and got to bring me know, back down to earth. I feel you. Yeah, I feel any, you. Anytime, man. Any but time, but he's going to come back down to earth after the Bundesliga. Our friend showed up three hours late to the party after everybody else has been, you know, going at it for hours. <laughs> Bayern was bought back down to earth a little bit because they were drawn by Leipzig and like probably not a title race in Germany, but at least we can kind of have this. They, well, debate is the season over yet for a little bit longer <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah we're just putting it off till next week but i do think kimmick scored like a banger today did you see that goal joshua kimmick just absolutely had a rocket from like top of the box to win it today so um that was a draw today that was a draw like that rescued a draw for them so they they did drop more points so to be fair I'm, how many goals I'm, have you ever seen byron score that didn't result in a win it's just a pretty fair guess that's that's fair and <laughs> but that did like them and leipzig are even on points four points back for leipzig I mean, they're even on points even on games yep. played and they're four points back but um 
probably not. But like, hey, like I said, this at least means we can have the conversation for a few more weeks. But mm. we'll see how it plays out. But other than that, the only other thing in Germany that I think of is like of relevance to us is Gio Reyna just rescuing Timothy Chandler. Oh, no. Okay, go ahead. No, we're no, wrong guy. Wrong guy. Wrong U.S. star that's been maligned by coaches. And Hanover have had a very fruitful relationship for 30 years. No, but not where, you were going? Okay. Not where I was going. Gio Reyna scoring an absolute banger, Andrew. Banger to win banger. late. I off saw it happen live. I got the tweet off. I was there. I was not there, but I was I was on it. I did. Came I did see that late. you got that live. I got the like live tweets of it, but I did not see the live goal. I flipped over. I had a, somebody was telling me it was it was tied late, and I, that's what exactly we were talking about with the Bundesliga. I got a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about like you see the update that maybe it's going to be a close game, and by the time you flip over to ESPN Plus to see what's going on with the Bundesliga, something crazy has happened. I beat the rush this time. The Gio Reyna banger is a perfect little just volley with the right foot into the opposite corner, just delicious uh what do you think about the celebration which has gotten more conversation than the goal yeah it's uh certainly been the bigger talking point i think the goal was fantastic the celebration if you somehow have not seen it he did the memphis to pie celebration of the like cover your ears with the two fingers uh memphis has been pretty signature with that you would say um if you remember after the World Cup, Greg Bearhalter had a comment, something to the effect of we don't have a Memphis to pie as in we didn't have like a world class Champions League goal scorer in our team. So it's very much been interpreted as a shot at Greg Bearhalter to be like, fuck you, we sure have a Memphis to pie on our team. You just didn't play him the entire World Cup. Uh my he, thoughts he on also, it? He also did the like a little like chattering thing too, mm-hmm. right? Like moving. I, I just, before we like, don't mention it. Yeah. There were lots of layers to the celebration. It was a multifaceted celebration, but. Is it the most uh, extreme celebration since the man in the mirror shirt <laughs> from a USMNT player? Quite possibly. But um, yeah, like my thoughts on it, honestly, were, I think that it's, cool-ish like fine I think that's great and all but honestly like I thought right now maybe the best thing for Geo is to just lay low for a while with all this bad publicity kind of swirling around like I I obviously like him as a player I think that Bear Halter fumbled the way he did the whole thing but this whole scenario hasn't looked good for anybody on either side and I think that just maybe putting your head down and being quiet for a while was maybe the best thing not to just turn the hot stove back on you could have gone with a very simple shush right that that would have been a little easier to digest right like a stop you know stop talking a very popular celebration it is what he did was better than almost doing the entire cats in the cradle thing where he throws his dad under the bus, which would have been a very elaborate four minute song for him to do celebrating in a foreign country. But that's what I heard the plan was and I'm glad he didn't do it. So it could be worse. Um, the, the logistics we'll kinda, must have not worked out or something on that one. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes as he lowers his profile. But uh, speaking of a lower profile, Brian McBride, USMNT, great as a player, 
out as GM here as we kind of transition back home from our general European romp as we are one to do. But Brian McBride, kind of the first domino to fall, if there are going to be more dominoes. Um, Do you think it's more likely he's kind of the scapegoat and most everyone else comes back or he's the first domino of many? I think there's going to be more dominoes to fall personally. Um, Mm -hmm. Quite possibly Ernie Stewart. Um, I think the U.S. would be psychotic to bring back Greg at this point. I think there was a point where maybe that would have happened. Like off the back of what they did at the World Cup, you might have been able to argue for it. But just this whole... Wash your hands. Wash your hands of all of it. You got to wash your hands. Because this this whole... just debacle over the last few weeks with the Reinas and USSF and the USMNT. Like you gotta just bleach it, bleach it, (laughs) just come back better. And I think you just have to hit reset basically on a lot of things. Um, as far as the executive level of these positions for USSF. So uh, yeah, I think that McBride, honestly, his, job title is very vague like he was almost a liaison sort of role of organizing getting these players from europe like basically negotiating to get players released to come to u.s camps and stuff which not not unimportant but also greg could do that not unimportant but yeah like you have a manager and a director of football for these two it's hard it's hard for for this one team brian did that nobody else could do right and a, like, and a lot of executive roles are like that where you're just like mm-hmm. this is all relatively the same but um i'm a little worried because kind of the the other thing i've heard is he was one of the people most directly involved with talking to reina's parents mm-hmm. um and i think is a very easy fall guy because he's not the person making the decisions right um Right, he answers to Ernie Stewart, um, kind of in that way. So, I don't know. I would love for it to not be. I hope it is a domino effect, especially as we've we've kind of adopted a a favorite here. I think I'm, I think we're ready to go public here, Spencer. Who is your? And I think I'll co-sign here. Who is the fish and fries dream choice to take over the USMNT as head coach? I'm on the fucking Mourinho train, baby. Chew, chew. The special one? The special one. The special one. I am on board, Andrew. This is a guy who I have not (laughs) liked in club football basically my entire life, but I think it translates to international football beautifully. Give it to me. I want it. Do did it have anything I do to do with the twenty or so incredible Mourinho quotes that I sent you as we were laughing about this the other night? Dude, those were so great because this news this news dropped on Friday night and I was over at a friend's house, you know, partaking in a few adult beverages. Um, my sense of judgment may have, been, may have been a bit compromised and Andrew is sending me these quotes and I thought he was making them up. And he's like, no, <laughs> these are legit like Mourinho quotes. Like some of the ones you were sending me, I, I've got to go and find them and like read off a couple of them. Oh, they were so amazing, man. Like I was laughing so hard. And then when you came and told me like young players are like melons only when you open and taste the melon, are you a hundred percent sure that the melon is good? (laughs) 
what just fantastic stuff there what was my this is my favorite one it's like having a blanket that is too small for the bed you pull the blanket up to keep your chest warm and your feet stick out i cannot buy a bigger blanket because the supermarket is closed but the blanket is made of cashmere (laughs) in case you don't know hold on real quick jose Mourinho has been an incredible club football manager for 30 years, 20, 30 years. He won the Champions League with Porto, which if you've never heard of Porto, that's why it's so amazing. He's a Portuguese manager. Um, He's not, as you may have uh, inferred from some of our quotes here, very shy. He will tell you what he's thinking, even if it is complete nonsense. He is a very kind of famously defensive manager. He's been... He's won the Champions League with Chelsea. He's won the league with Chelsea. He's had two different stints. They both didn't go. I mean, one went a lot better than the other. Let's just say that. But, and he's the current coach of Roma. So he's not exactly, he's also not a free agent. He's also not a wizard, Andrew, because he has a coach. that <laughs> <laughs> was, look, I'm a coach. I'm not Harry Potter. He is magical. But in reality, there is no magic. Magic is fiction and football is real you're gonna tell me you wouldn't run through a fucking wall for that guy anybody who tells me i'm not harry potter i have a huge problem with i'll be honest with you right now weston mckinney you think weston mckinney who does a harry potter's goal celebration is gonna play for that man no i'm sure he refuses sits out protests because we need more drama with the usmnt but um it is something that was brought up. It's not just me and Spencer pulling it out of thin air. It's been kind of discussed that he would, one, be a good international manager, and we could sure use one of those. And he's kind of had interest, um, kind of interest adjacent, I would say, before. So, um, but it sure is fun in the meantime. There's, there's, there's very little chance we hire somebody more fun for me and Spencer at the very least. 100%. 100%. It would be a fun signing. And I also think that honestly, like it's good for the profile of American soccer. If they were able to go out and get a very well-regarded world manager and have him come to the national team, like there were reports he turned down Portugal. So like, I don't know if he actually will come to the U S but if he's turning down Portugal and saying yes to the U S it means probably two things. One that he likes the project, what the U S has going on. I was going to say two, the U (laughs) S gave him a absolute truckload of cash, but they're they're also, they, in that case, the USA will have to, will have to sell Anthony Edwards, the basketball player to be able to afford uh, Jose Mourinho. It's going to be crazy, but you know, we can do it. We, sacrifice that we just might have they're to selling make, those uh they're selling the soccer houses maybe that's why they know Mourinho's not gonna be cheap um <laughs> he's also definitely not moving to chicago which has been a weird uh requirement of the usmnt the last time they were looking for a coach so yeah it seems like super, if nothing else he's super not doing that it seems <laughs> like if nothing else like it's a good thing that it seems the u.s is at least being more broad in their search terms. They've turned some of the search filters off from like the last time of like, you have to be fluent in English. You have to live in Chicago. You have to do all these things. Like it seems like they've expanded their horizons, at least with the guys that have been leaked as, you know, potential guys to take over the manager position. Yeah. It's who knows that that would be the most fun 
most fun we could have would be Jose Mourinho, man. 100%. But um, right now, let's talk about what we got here in the now. And let's talk about everybody's favorite intern manager, Anthony Hudson. H-Dog? H-Dog, baby. Because, you know, the World Cup just ended, Andrew. There's fucking USA games on tomorrow. We are back. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. HBO. You watch The Last of Us on Sunday? Come back over. We got soccer at 9 p.m. Is it 9 p.m.? 9.30 p.m., I'm pretty sure for us. Stay up late. You like getting up early for the World Cup? Stay up late for friendlies. I don't know, man. Um, (laughs) So this roster we have. So if you enjoyed uh, World Cup stars like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, um, we have almost none of those players for you as it is the January camp. And if you're not familiar, the January camp is when they bring in a lot of younger or MLS based players because um, the English and European players are not released for this cup. So just to give a little bit of background in case you have no Mm -hmm. idea what we're talking about, there's a reason Christian Pulisic and and co aren't there. It's because they actually play at a very high level of soccer or I guess in his case are injured, but that's the, uh, that's the example here. But I'm going to ask you, to pick two two players to be the most excited about on this roster and in this game, hopefully coming up on well, the game's coming up on Wednesday, but hopefully they play and are coming up on Wednesday for you. Pick two. You didn't know I was doing this, but pick two. I think the very obvious like one is obviously Alejandro Zendayas. 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 And why are we excited about him, Spencer? He is a guy that came up through the U.S. ranks uh, youth-wise. One of these dual nationals, obviously, that we have so many of that we've kind of always are in battles with Mexico for. He played for Mexico in a friendly, never really officially switched or anything. So Mexico actually was recently fined for that and docked some points and something. But guys don't know how to follow the rules. Don't know how to follow the rules, but he's not gotten a senior cap for Mexico that's official, and the U.S. has called him back in. He is, I believe, 24 off the top of my head. He's playing in Liga MX, and he's done quite well there. So mm-hmm. really excited to see him in like a senior U.S. shirt, even if it is a little bit of a lame duck camp. Yeah. That's exciting. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think just to add there, he plays his professional football in Mexico. So not an easy decision for him either. Like just a fun player, kind of the type you don't normally have at these these camps, but absolutely a fun player. Who else are we excited for, Spencer? One more and then I've got a couple. Well, I think obvious. there's a very obvious answer of the other guy we're all super excited for as U.S. fans, and that is Aaron Long. (laughs) (laughs) No, not Aaron Long. Please. Guys, please put your bow and arrows away. I'm not really saying Aaron Long, I promise. Uh, probably outside of um, Zendejas is like the big guy. Um, I'm pretty excited to see a few other guys like Paxton Aronson. Cool to see him kind of in a senior shirt. I was kind of surprised to see that he just signed for Eintracht Frankfurt in Germany. Um, but I guess they he's going to play mostly with their youth team for now, so they were okay releasing him. Jalen Neal of LA Galaxy, kind of a promising young defender. I believe he's only 18 or 19 years old. Excited to maybe see what he can do. Um, 
Sonora. I'm interested to see Sonora in the yeah. midfield. Um, Caden, Cade well, Cal. I, I've got a couple here to be to be excited about too. Um, Cade Cowell would be the one I'm maybe most excited for. He's been kind of one of these next guys coming up for a few years now, right? Playing with MLS in San Jose Earthquakes. And I kind of was hoping he would get the Paxton Aronson move, right? In the last couple of years, um, he's supposed to be good on the ball. He's fast. He's young. You never really know what those guys are going to turn into, but I would love to see him play on like the left wing with Zendejas on the right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other guy I'm going to make sure I highlight here is Paxton Pomichol, a guy I used to have a lot of stock in. He's um, plays for Dallas in MLS, and he was kind of part of that fun, like Jesus Ferreira, Paxton Pomichol, and they had a couple other guys who ended up mo- – those are the guys who stayed. Everybody else from that team left and went overseas um, to varying degrees of success. But to see him back in here after some injuries is great. Um, and then the last guy I want to say is Gaga Slonina, right? Mm-hmm moved to Chelsea um, has been practicing with their first team or practicing with the first team, but obviously not playing as they have both Kepa and Mendy. Um, So to get him back and hopefully get him some good first team reps here, right. Some actual ability to showcase and that kind of thing and get into the system. Cause he was tried to get called into the world cup by Poland. Poland tried to call him to their Poland, right? Mm -hmm. I think yeah. Poland tried to call him into their full national team for the World Cup. And Slonina turned them down to stay with America. And that's not an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Like, it'd be very understand. Honestly, I, I wouldn't love it as an American, but I'd very much understand it if it was like, so you want me to maybe go play next year and be a, have a shot in four years on being on the World Cup team? Or I can go play backup right now for Poland and do that like completely understandable decision so let's give Sonina kind of some credit there i i hope he gets i hope he gets i hope he starts both games seems unlikely as they usually split those things up but at least one love, hopefully i would love to see him start one i'm not son johnson man i mean after his uh his little video thing I always get a soft spot for Sean i i just like Sean johnson too Me and he's too. like he's he's <laughs> Like some people were complaining about some of these older guards, like guys like, as I referenced, Aaron Long, um, Walker Zimmerman's in this team, a couple other like MLS guys, Acosta, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Ariola. I honestly like some US fans were really upset about some Paul of these Ariola guys. Is a tough pill to swallow for I just, the way I see it is that I am totally fine. It's the January camp for. It's the January camp. And as we referenced, like most of these guys that are coming in are really young. A lot of them are on their first time cap. I believe there's like 13 players making their first potential caps for the U S. So having some older guys in there that have been around the program, I'm completely fine with like a couple guys there to help kind of show them the ropes of the national team. So no problems here. Um, Maybe a couple other guys just that we haven't mentioned that I'm a little excited to see like a Emmanuel Sabi, if he should play a little and Brandon Vasquez at the nine, like, one more guy that's in the pool, at least. I know we've, we've like laughed at the Brandon Vasquez he, thing, but like, let's see it. Brandon Vasquez. Yeah, hey, shut us up, man. Put three in the back of the net. Um, Matthew Hoppy back with the team is a little confusing just because I kind of thought he was 
not breaking through at Middlesbrough or anything or Middlesbrough, but I kind of thought he was not past this, but with his ability to move overseas, right? I'm surprised to see him back in a January camp where like, you know, it's not like Middlesbrough got everything sewn up down in the championship. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of... I'm more wishful thinking he was like a meaningful player to them. I guess that's how I would say that. I think he's just got to completely reinvent himself as far as within the U.S. program. So I was a little surprised to see him there also, just in the fact that he does seem to be playing a decent amount for Middlesbrough. So I was surprised they released him. But hey, um, one more guy that can maybe show us something at the nine, hopefully. I don't know. I would I would say the only other like the biggest story probably of this camp just on paper is Julian Gressel getting his American citizenship and being able to play um, for this team in a country he's lived in for a long time. And he was I want to say he was kind of a big part of those um, Atlanta United teams that were really good with. uh, Oh, what's his first name? Martinez. Scoring all the goals up top, Columbia. Not um, Joseph Martinez. Yeah, Joseph Martinez. He was not like Colombian. Kind of the, He's like something Paraguay or something. I think he's Colombian, but definitely not Colombian. I think could for maybe sure be Colombian. You can't say he's definitely not Colombian, but maybe he's Paraguayan. Like those two things are super uh, different from our soccer perspective. Venezuelan. Okay, so not Paraguayan. All right, that's all that's important, actually. And not Colombian. That's fine. I, I took a shot in the dark. You were like, that would be insane. From Colombia? It's like, uh, <laughs> we are absolutely getting everything we can out of the USMNT roster here. We are not probably going to come back with like an emergency podcast from these games, but we absolutely will be recapping them for you. We've got There's... Serbia Wednesday and Columbia. Well, that's why I had Columbia on my mind because they play Columbia. Mm. Is that Friday they play Columbia? Uh, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, January 28th. Columbia. That sure sounds like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sure. I don't know, man. Yeah. Saturday, Sunday, sometime over the weekend. And we will make sure to recap those as we've kind of got a, a slow weekend of, uh, English soccer here, what we would normally focus on. FA Cup, isn't it? I, I I mean, more time off for Chelsea, getting that much needed rest by bowing out of these tournaments early. Strategic, it's also just calculated. It's it's like a cup weekend, which is always, you know, they're always interesting in different ways. Like there's sometimes some fun matchups. Like it's more of a keep track of games and see which one plays out if you're not watching your own team. But then even I was looking today, like across Europe, there's not a ton of big matches or anything. It's a little bit of a, on paper, a more mm, less extravagant weekend, I guess I could say. But sometimes those are the weekends where you get some of the biggest bangers of games and some crazy shit happens, man. So I don't know. We'll see what plays out. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about when we reconvene next week. Between that and the transfer window, which will be closed by the next time we speak, there will absolutely be a ton to talk about. But um, until then, man. Yeah, no, we got that. We got USMNT back better than ever, maybe, um, with with H-Dog Anthony Hudson. I mean, who wouldn't be excited for that? Who, who, Um, who, 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 who? 
uh something we just made up right now that definitely doesn't exist but i mean if they roll in these games i think we start driving the h-dog train at least as a uh, Mourinho's top assistant but uh anything else you want to make sure we talk about man before we start getting out of here today no nah, i don't think so I, i've got no more weird obscure young u.s men's national team players to break down i'm, I'm about at my wits end of knowledge on that. So You're I think we can just no thoughts about Dewan Jones. None, nothing, nothing at all. Next time we come back. I'd love to. So let's see what happens in these <laughs> friendlies. Let's see what happens in these cup games and let's see what happens across Europe and on these transfers and all that. And we'll be back with somehow, some way, even if it all sucks, some type of jam packed pod next week for you guys. It's the only kind we got are jam packed pods, jam packed. But until then, we'll see you when we start packing next week. See you then, Andrew. Yes, sir, man. I'll see you then.